Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, October 21st, 2018, on the basis of Mark 10, verses 32 through 45. I have a way for you to become a billionaire. No, I, I don't have any insider information about the winning numbers of this coming Tuesday's Mega Millions drawing. Not sure if you heard, but after no one won the big jackpot on Friday, the jackpot is up to $1.6 billion, the largest lottery jackpot in history. Now, when Tuesday rolls around, I probably won't even play. And even if I did, and even if I won, don't worry, I'd still show up next Sunday to preach a sermon. I'm not suggesting that you play the lottery. I am suggesting that you start collecting something called pay night. Pay night is often credited with being the world's rarest gem mineral. And so as you can imagine, because it is so very rare, it is also very valuable. Painite is sometimes valued at $300,000 a gram. And so by my calculations, all you need is about seven and a half pounds of painite, and poof, voila, you will be a billionaire. Just one little problem, as you might imagine. There isn't seven and a half pounds of painite in the whole world, at least that we know about. And that's kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to things that are rare, right? Something is valuable because it is so rare, but because it is rare, it is also very difficult to find, also very, dif- very difficult to get. If it were easy to get, then it wouldn't be rare, and if it wasn't rare, then it wouldn't be valuable. Today we're continuing this series that's entitled Frequently Asked Questions, looking at the unique answers that Christianity gives to universal spiritual questions. And in these verses from Mark this morning, we're going to hear a question from Jesus' disciples that sort of creates what you might call a teachable moment for Jesus. It gives him an opportunity to teach his disciples about a commodity that is both incredibly rare and therefore also incredibly valuable. It's a commodity that Jesus wanted them and wants us to possess. It's a commodity that he wanted them and wants us to take out into the world and share. In fact, it's a commodity that is really at the very center of what we are about as Christians and what we are about as a church. And yet here's the good news. You won't have to scour the earth to get it. You won't have to fork over your entire life savings in order to be able to afford it. No, when it comes to this precious commodity, we find a wonderful and surprising paradox, seeming contradiction. You see, even though it is incredibly rare, it's also available on demand, whenever we want it and as much as we want it. And even though it's incredibly valuable, it's also completely free of charge. As we look at these verses from Mark chapter 10 this morning, this is what we're going to see, that you have a limitless supply of the world's rarest commodity. In order to understand just how rare that commodity is, we first need to see how common its exact opposite is. And these verses from Mark really give us a perfect example of that. Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and now for the third time, we're told, for the third time, Jesus tells them when they get to Jerusalem, what's going to happen. And this time, he uses more detail than he's ever used before. He is going to be arrested. He is going to be condemned. He is going to be mocked and spit on and flogged. And he is going to die. As they are walking to Jerusalem, that is the one thing on Jesus' mind, and he wants it to be on his disciples' minds as well. 
And yet almost immediately after explaining that to his disciples, here come James and John with a question for Jesus. It's not even so much a question as it is a request, really a, almost a demand that they make of Jesus. Here's what they say. Jesus, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left when you enter into glory. In other words, Jesus, when you take over, when you come into power, when you're right at the top, we want to be we want to be your top advisors. We want to be the highest ranking officials on your staff. We want to be your senior VPs when you take over everything. Jesus was thinking about the path that led to his cross. And meanwhile, these two disciples were thinking about the path that led them up the corporate ladder of Jesus' kingdom. And yet before we, we are too quick to criticize James and John for their poorly timed and presumptuous demand of Jesus, realize that it wasn't just them. When the other disciples heard about this, we're told that they were upset. And not upset as in, how dare you, James and John, ask Jesus that question at such an inopportune time. No, they were upset with James and John because what James and John wanted, they wanted it too. They were thinking exactly the same thing. In fact, Jesus sort of shines a spotlight on what they were thinking and points out to them just how common this way of thinking and this way of operating is in our world. He says, look, you know that out there in the Gentile world, in the unbelieving world, those who are in power, lord it over those who are underneath them. And those who have high positions of authority, they exercise that authority over those who are underneath them. This is how it works in our world. And so the basic idea that Jesus is trying to point out sort of goes like this. Whatever advantage you might have over someone else, maybe that advantage is power. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's influence. Maybe it's intelligence or some other gift. Whatever that advantage is, first of all, assume that you deserve it. Assume that you've earned it. Assume that you have it because you've worked hard for it. And then second of all, assume that you get to use it for your benefit. In other words, use your advantage, whatever that advantage is, for your own advantage. Jesus wants us to know this wasn't just James and John. This wasn't just the rest of the disciples. This wasn't just people out there in the Gentile, unbelieving world. Really, everyone by nature thinks and operates this way, that I am going to use my advantage for my advantage. Each and every one of us has sort of a bubbling geyser deep inside of our hearts that spews this kind of thinking and this kind of, of operating out every single breath that we take. This is how the world works. Use your advantage for your advantage. But then Jesus sort of drives a stake right into the heart of that way of thinking. Yes, this is how the world operates. Yes, I know this is how your boss operates. Yes, I know this is how politicians operate. This is how that person who's been elected, the chairman of the board or the committee or the PTA or the HOA, this is how they operate. This is how you by nature operate. But then Jesus says to his disciples, not so with you. Not so with you. Act, operate, think differently. In fact, think just the opposite. Jesus says, instead, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must make himself a slave of all. In other words, the normal and common way of operating is to say, use your advantage for your advantage. But Jesus says, use your advantage for someone else's advantage. Use your advantage to serve. Put your power 
your wealth, your time, your energy, your attention, your resources, whatever those resources might be, put them at their disposal for them to use, for them to benefit from. The world says, use your advantage to your own advantage. Jesus says, use your advantage to someone else's advantage. Use it to serve. We can maybe start to understand why this would be such a rare commodity in our world. I mean, who lives this way? Who can live this way? Who wants to live this way? If you use your advantage for someone else's advantage, then that someone else might just, well, they might just take advantage. We might be tempted to, think it, to, to look at Jesus' words and say, well, I'll let someone else take care of that. It's a rare thing anyways. But you know what's really interesting? Do you know who not only realizes just what a rare commodity this is, but also recognizes just how valuable it is in our world? Literally just about everybody. You could go to the business aisle of Barnes & Noble, pick, about, pick up just about any book related to leadership in the business setting, and it'll talk about this. It'll talk about leadership combined with service. Those who are in power, using it not in, a, in a, an oppressive, domineering way over the, those who are underneath their power, but using it to serve. In fact, I was kind of shocked this week. When I was looking up that thing about painite, I was, I was trying to figure out what is the world's rarest commodity. And so I typed into the Google search bar, the world's rarest commodity is, and it just auto-filled, leadership with service, leadership with humility, leadership without ego. Everyone recognizes how rare this is. Everyone recognizes how good and valuable it is. And it might almost lead us to ask, well, if everyone recognizes how good it is, then is it really that rare? Well, realize just how hard it is for us as inherently self-centered human beings to actually put this into practice. You see, the second we realize that we can use our advantage to someone else's advantage, and we realize how good and how valuable that is, do you know what we think? You know what? Look at that good and valuable thing. You know whose benefit I could use that for? I could use it for my own. I could be the boss who is caring and kind to all of his employees so that they work harder and so that my company is more successful. I could be the friend who's always patient and who always lends a listening ear so that people like me more and that's so, I have, so that I have more friends. I can be exactly the kind of follower of Jesus that Jesus wants me to be so that I can be a wonderful Christian and God will be so thrilled that he has me on his team. In the blink of an eye, we are suddenly using our advantage for someone else's advantage for our own advantage. That's why this commodity is so rare. The second you think you have it, it can quickly evaporate into thin air. And so how is it? How is it that that vicious cycle is broken? How are we set free from our constant and inherent obsession with self-service? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. After telling his disciples to live a life of service like this, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, do you know who was in full possession of this rare and valuable commodity? Do you know who, who lived out and embodied this commodity to its absolute fullest? Of course, Jesus did. But what Jesus is saying in that verse is not, I lived this way, and so therefore now you should live this way also. Follow my lead, follow my example. No, what he's really saying is, I lived this way so that you can live this way. 
How is it that we can use our advantage to someone else's advantage? How can we live a life of service? It's only because Jesus came to this world for the sole purpose of serving us. Jesus had every advantage imaginable and had them all by right. He has power, we do not. He has all wealth and majesty and glory, and we do not. And he deserves it all because he is holy and we are not. He is good and we are not. And what did he do? He set aside every single advantage to serve. In fact, he gave us more than just a little bit of time or attention, more than a helping hand or a good piece of advice. He laid down his life. He gave himself as the ransom price to set us free. This is that concept that's really at the heart of the Christian faith that we often refer to as grace. God's undeserved love. How in the world is it that we could expect anything good from God? How is it that we can expect not to receive the wrath and the punishment from him that we deserve? The answer is sola gratia, grace alone. And it's because Jesus showed that undeserved love for us that we can then do the same for others. In fact, I want you to picture a day in your life that maybe some people would be inclined to consider the worst day ever. So at 7 o'clock in the morning, you wake up the kids and they're grouchy and angry at you and, and they quickly grumble and complain that there's nothing good to eat for breakfast and they don't like the lunch that you made them that day. At 8 o'clock, you almost get hit while you're on the road because the person next to you has their head buried in their cell phone. At 8.30, you pull into the parking lot at work and notice that someone else has taken the parking spot with your name on it. At 9 o'clock, you get chewed out at a staff meeting for something that someone else did. At noon, you're looking forward to a nice, quiet, and peaceful lunch, but then you notice that coworker sitting in the cafeteria who you know could really use a friend. In the afternoon, you put aside the things that you need to do to help a fellow employee who seems to always take forever to catch on. Dinner time rolls around, and there are four hungry mouths sitting around the table, but only three ice cream sandwiches in the box. And then finally, at 9 o'clock, you're looking forward to a few minutes of relaxation watching TV, but someone else wants the remote too. How does a person not only survive a day like that, but call that a pretty good day? Maybe even the best day ever. A, a day spent entirely giving of yourself to others and having other people take from you for themselves. How does a person survive that and even think it might just be a good thing? It's only if we keep in mind that from the start of that day to its very finish, Jesus himself was busy serving you. Do you think he's suddenly going to stop? He already gave his life. He already put everything he had into you. Is, is he just going to suddenly abandon you and give up on you? No, as the world hands us constant disappointment, in Jesus we have a limitless supply of hope. As we face scorn or strife in our relationship with others, Jesus has a limitless supply of care and kindness. As we experience guilt over our sins and our shortcomings, Jesus has a limitless supply of forgiveness. As we experience feelings of worthlessness, Jesus has a limitless supply of approval. I mean, think about it. What I was asking the kids before, who would you rather have serving you? 
making sure that you have everything that you need, making sure that you are taken care of. Would you rather have that be you or would you rather have that be Jesus? Far from seeking a promotion like James and John where we can actually breathe a sigh of relief and give ourselves a very important and much needed demotion to put that burden off of our shoulders, to not be the ones who are always looking out for me first because we know and we can trust that Jesus has used his every advantage for our advantage so that we can turn around and use whatever advantage we might have for someone else's advantage. And then we can just kind of wait and watch as people take notice. Sort of the way you, you might notice if someone is walking down the street who's a billionaire or maybe someone who has a 10-carat flawless diamond ring hanging off their finger. You notice those kinds of things, right? I didn't do the calculations myself, but I'm told that Christmas is just 10 weeks away from now. And during the next 10 weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about opportunities, using that golden opportunity to share Jesus with people and invite people to hear more about Jesus. And of course, that's sometimes a scary topic for us as Christians. We worry about having exactly the right thing to say. We worry about being able to answer all of the right questions. I think so often we make that far more complicated than it really is. Jesus gives us a beautiful and simple blueprint that we take this concept, this grace, into every area of our lives. Because we are filled with the grace that Jesus has for us, we push it into every area of our life, our workplace, our school, our friends, our family, and then we just wait and watch as people notice this rare, priceless commodity. What is that? Where did you get that? And then what else can we do <laughs> but tell them the good news about our supplier, Jesus Christ? Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.